You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 133. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here today. All right, we've had some really awesome conversations the last couple of weeks, and I really want to dive into how your mind is attaching meaning to words because we've discussed a lot. And I think with the way things seem to be going, from the messages I get from y'all, from the conversations I'm having with college administrators, that there's a lot of opportunity for us to begin to expand our awareness around what it means to be open-minded and have a growth mindset. Uh, the cancel culture being what it is, the Twitterati, the, this idea of, of being quote-unquote woke and, and how that tends to lead some people to getting canceled. And what we've discussed over the last couple of weeks with the human condition, your programming, nothing is wrong with you, whether you want to be right or you want to be conne- or whether you want to connect the tree of impact impermanence, um, discussing the hub even, and, and how that's really an entire portal that's meant to expand your awareness around things that you might previously have been blocking. All of these things are opportunities for us to just step into a new way of experiencing our world. And what I'm noticing, and it's not just in the higher education world that this seems to be an issue because everybody who is in the quote-unquote real world has spent some level of their time in the education world, whether that was just getting the high school diploma or whether that was going on to the higher levels of education and getting a master's and bachelor's and PhDs and all of the above, right? So your mind attaches meaning two words. And like last week when we went through a list of skillful, unskillful, good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, these are all just words. Everything that we say inside of our own minds, inside of our own heads, these are words we're using to describe what it is we're experiencing externally. The words themselves have no meaning until we attach meaning to them. One of my theories on why we get so amped up about what it is we hear people say isn't necessarily because that what they said is so horrible as much as there's this fear that if we let people say things that have hate in them or are racist words, sexist words, misogynistic words, if we let these people speak their their truth according to their reality, that it will poison society, that it will infiltrate into the young children's minds, and it'll become something that proliferates. Certainly, we have historical evidence that when you say mean, hateful things in the right forum with the right kind of people listening, that it can get out of hand, that it can become genocide, that it can become, um, you know, 
world wars. We have historical evidence that says people who are allowed to get on a bullhorn and speak their truth as they see it can get enough people behind them that it can turn into genocide, that it can turn into Holocaust. I understand that historical evidence that we have that has shown us this can go sideways real quick if we let the wrong people be in charge of the microphone. We are now living in a new world. There's a internet and there there are hundreds of thousands of different perspectives that we have an opportunity to be influenced by. When we try to shudder and hide people with dissenting opinions and push them off into the crevices of society, they don't quiet down. They just silently find and other people until they've amassed enough that they feel like now they can step back out into the public eye and they can allow themselves to be heard. When we begin to open our minds to the idea that everybody has experienced something in their life that has led them to believe, to feel, to think the way that they do, that their opinions, their values, their belief system, this, this has been created by something. Someone, some things, experiences in their life had lev- have led them to have this mindset of, about a certain kind of people or a certain kind of religion. It's, it wasn't by accident, right? It may have been accidentally done by people who would say things here and there, or it could have been intentionally done by having a, a authority figure just drill something into your head. But these things were the way that they grew inside your mind. That again, I just said that it wasn't an accident or it is an accident. It let's, let's reframe it as your mind at a young age isn't at a place where it can necessarily filter out the information that is quote-unquote good or bad. And even the words good or bad have a, a meaning attached to them that's different for everybody. So when somebody was influencing you at a young age to, with their opinions, uh, whether you took them as your own or whether you chose to um, revolt against those, right? And we certainly know that there are plenty of opportunities in our lives where our parents say, don't do this, we do it anyways, or think this way, and so we think the other way. So you were attaching meaning to these words at a young age, a meaning to other people's behaviors, pe- meaning to other people's beliefs and values and opinions. You were attaching meaning to those whether it was the meaning that was meant to be attached by the person introducing you to the thought and feeling, or whether it was uh, not necessarily what they were seeking to do. Either way, your mind was determining whether it was going to attach the meaning to it that it did. And we don't really have as much control over that as we think, that we experience these things through our five senses, it brings things into our awareness. It, it sparks a thought and a feeling in us at a very young age. And we begin to just put things together the way we put them together. Tons of research has been put into this psychology of the mind. Why is it that the mind will choose one thing versus another? It still isn't completely figured out. I don't know if it ever can be completely figured out. Our mind is this vast ocean, vast galaxy universe of of space that I I honestly believe there's just so much going on in there to completely figure it out. It would set us down a, a completely different path if we could completely understand our minds. So when I talk about how your mind attaches meanings to words, 
If we want to keep it simple and stay away from the upper-level conversation of, of being in a woke society or cancel culture society, if you just look at the way your mind attaches meaning to words, right? Good, bad, right, wrong, healthy, unhealthy, skilled, unskilled, the things that we talked about last week, your mind is what determines if there's going to be any charge to that, right? We, we, we know not to use certain words in our culture that are considered derogatory towards a certain race. That's more than obvious. We know that the N-word is not a word that should be uttered by anyone. It's still used by some races to discuss themselves, and that's their choice. But we do know that if you're outside of that race, you better stay the hell away from it because there's meaning attached to it. There is historical references that people can draw upon that say when a certain race uses a certain word toward another race or even just in general uses it um, externally outside of their own heads to describe a person or a place or a thing, that that is going to have a charge to it because the reason that word even exists is because people were trying to come up with a way to discuss another race derogatorily and to to talk down to them and hold them down. There is historical evidence that the N-word was created as a means to oppress and to belittle and to bring harm. That is there. That is accurate. We, We know that through historical context and accuracy that we know that word has a lot of charge to it. But it, the word itself is just a word. It's the meanings that we have attached to that word. If I were to say Christianity or Catholicism or Islam, right? These are religions. These are the way people have been raised. This, this, this is, this, this is the backbone of many different societies. It's, the meaning we have attached to those, it's the pictures in our minds that pop up when I say, oh, you're a Christian or you're a Catholic or you're Muslim, right? What do you picture in your mind when I say those three words? That's the meaning you've attached to it. The word itself on a piece of paper is just a word. Good, bad, right, wrong, fat, skinny. These uh, uh, addict, sober, these are words that by themselves are just words. They're just words. It's the meaning we attach to them that gives us the charge. So when we go back to last week's episode and we start to talk about, is anything wrong with you? How you've been programmed, the human condition. When we start to talk about this, it's if you think something's wrong with you, then that's going to be the belief system that you have. If you um, look at yourself in the mirror and you call yourself fat or ugly or a drunk long enough, you're going to spiral down into that. You're going to screw that belief into your head and that's what you're going to start. Your opinions about yourself are going to be run through that filter. The values that you have in life are going to be run through this filter of that I'm fat or I'm ugly or I'm an addict. You could just as easily start to say, I am a human. I am working towards something. I have, I, I have a body. You could just as easily say that um, my body is just the vessel for my spirit, for my soul, for my personality, and I will take care of it the way that I see fit in order to have the life that I desire. It's all about the meanings you decide to attach. If 
I were to look at your shoes and say, your shoes are stupid, but you didn't care about my opinion because you don't think I'm a fashionista and what the hell do I care? Uh, what the hell do you care about my opinion of your shoes? Then there's no meaning attached to it. You just laugh me off and you're like, whatever, dude, your shoes are stupid too. But if you think I'm a fashionista who knows about shoes, who's an expert about shoes, and I tell you that your shoes are stupid and your shoes are ugly, then that might burn a little bit more because you think, oh, well, this person, they know what they're talking about. So if they think that my shoes are stupid, then clearly my shoes are stupid. And then all of a sudden, me saying that your shoes are, are ugly and dumb, they have there's a meaning behind that now. But only because you have attached meaning to me in order to pedestal my opinion above your own. People will dress however people dress. And you'll, you'll go to people watch at a concert and you'll think, okay, that person is dressed like a moron. I would never leave the house in that. But they did. They chose to do that. Their filter of their reality is that that outfit was completely appropriate for this event. I went to a rave, Armin Van Buren and Ruben Durand and Cosmic Gate and Gabrielle and Dresden and uh, Marlo um, here in Los Angeles over the weekend. And trust me, if you've ever gone to one of these rave festival type events, you have certainly seen people put on some clothing that I would not choose to wear. That's just me. That is not an outfit that I would say, you know what? I totally need to wear that today. But they chose to. And I can attach whatever meaning to their outfit and that I desire. It doesn't make it right, does not make it correct. I don't know anything about that person other than that is, that is, a, that is a human being wearing that outfit. Anything else beyond that until I were to walk up and talk to them, they could be a computer programmer or they could be the CEO of a company, but they decided to wear a thong and bunny rabbit ears at a rave. I don't know because I don't know anything about them other than what I am visually seeing. They walked by me and I could make a snap snap second decision or judgment about who I think they are, but it has no bearing on who they actually are. It is just there. 10 seconds in my field of vision. I can think whatever I want. I can attach meaning to it however I choose. And again, that's the key word. How do you choose to attach meaning? So I can choose to attach whatever meaning, but it doesn't make it right. Because it, it doesn't make it right for the world. It can make it right for my own mind, but it doesn't make it right for everybody else. So when we think about words like good and bad and right and wrong, we choose the meaning that we associate with them. Drunk, addict, sober, recovery, um, stupid, smart. Hell, even the university you chose. For, for a lot of you, you may have chosen it because of, you know, University of Florida has this connotation of being one of the smartest schools in the SEC, top five, top 10, and, and most of the schools that are there, it is considered to be a place where smart people go. Whereas, you know, it could be Florida State, where at least in the state of Florida, it is not considered to be as smart as University of Florida. Florida. It's like, oh, you went to FSU because you couldn't get into UF. Now that could be accurate. It could be inaccurate. There could be family members who've gone to FSU for three generations and that person wanted to go there because they were legacy and it mattered to them to go to the same university as everyone else. Or maybe their grades weren't that great. Or like in my case, when I first went to Ball State University, I chose it because of the telecom school even though it was known to not be as academically as advanced as Purdue and Indiana University. 
but those are just meanings people are associating with that university. I am a firm believer you can go to any school, any school, and get a degree. And if you put in max effort and you bust your ass, it doesn't matter if you went to University of Phoenix and got a psychology degree or you went to Harvard and got a psychology degree. What you do with that degree once you leave that university will determine your success with that degree. If you half-ass it in your profession, you don't seek out continuing education. You don't continue to up-level yourself. You're going to be left in the dust. And whether you went to Harvard or University of Phoenix, it will not matter. Other people will come out and they will advance the research. They'll advance the field. And you'll be sitting over here just, you know, counting your money or chilling on the couch watching The Simpsons eating donuts. I don't think that the university you go to matters as much as what you do with the information that you're presented to while you're there and how you begin to expand it in your life and in your career and in your relationships and within yourself. But there is meaning attached to certain universities that all of a sudden it's like, oh, you went to Harvard. You must be a smarty pants. Mm, Maybe so, maybe not. Anymore that just because somebody went to UF or went to Vanderbilt over going to, let's say, Mississippi or Arkansas, doesn't necessarily mean that they're smarter, they're stupider. It doesn't matter nothing. We know nothing about that person. And hell, we only really know what we think we know about the university based off of what the U.S. News and World Report might rank the school as or what some people might say. At the same time, you can go to Ball State University and drink your face off for four years and do nothing with that degree and barely even get a degree. Or you can go to Ball State University, study your butt off, you know, magnum cum laude, get all the little ropes around your neck whenever you go to uh, graduate and you got the yellows or the blues or the reds or whatever it means whenever you get above and beyond grades. And then you go off into your field and you totally kick ass and you dominate. And now it's a completely different experience of Ball State University as compared to the version I led where it was full of drugs and alcohol. Somebody else went off and got straight A's and they went off and they dominated in their field and now they're having a very successful life and yet we both went to the same school. So the meaning I attached to Ball State's not the same meaning somebody else who actually tried and worked and did the studying and the participating in the, in the college experience had. They had a different experience than I did because I attached a different meaning to my college experience than they did. We are all attaching meaning the way that our mind has decided to attach meaning. And that programming came in at a very young age. Now, because you listen to this show, and I'm sure you also bring in other supplemental material into your life, you realize that no meaning is set in stone. We can take the charge out of a racist word. We can take the charge out of fat. We can take the charge out of stupid just by deciding that no matter what somebody tries to label us as, it does not mean that we will decide to also label ourselves that way. I saw an amazing quote today that said, no person will ever rise above the level of the opinion they have about themselves. I will repeat that. No person can rise above the opinion they have about themselves. If you think you're stupid, if you think that you're fat, if you think that you're dumb, if you think that you're never going to make it and you believe that long enough, then that's going to be the world you live in in your own head. If I say that wasn't that that was not good. That was a very very bad presentation. Right? And then you go off and get an A, right? So the teacher gave you an A, but did you get your point across? Did you rally people around your your theme, your thesis statement in your paper? 
a teacher can give you an A and then you can go off and try to use that same presentation in the real world and it could connect with no one. Just because you got an A doesn't necessarily mean that it's profound. It doesn't mean that it's going to change society. It doesn't mean that it's going to have an impact on anybody. A grade, again, is just a meaning we have attached to a letter in conjunction with turning in assignments at school. Right? You could have an amazing paper that you, that you turn in. You could have an amazing presentation and your teacher could be like, that's C-level work. That's garbage. I can't even believe you just turned that in. And yet it could have a profound impact on society. It could, it could literally change lives. Because of the meaning the teacher attached to it, you might think less than of your work, but it actually could become something that changes society, that changes the way that people think. It reminds me saying that about Abraham Lincoln's speech at Gettysburg. The pundits, the talking heads, the newspapers said, you know, it was watered down. It it was this, it was that. Basically, it got a lot of negative reviews. And you can go back and you can actually research this. And I'm not making that up. The people did not think the Gettysburg Address was as amazing as uh, it ultimately is now referenced and seen as. When people talk about the Gettysburg Address, it is looked upon with great revelry. It has been pedestaled. In many cases, people say that was really Abraham Lincoln's opportunity, and he fulfilled it to step out and say, this is what we're trying to accomplish here, and this is why this is important. The speaker before him went on for two hours and and talked about similar things that Abraham Lincoln brought up in the Gettysburg Address, yet two hours by that guy versus like two minutes by Abraham Lincoln, and which speech do we remember? Even the speaker who gave the two-hour speech came up to Abraham Lincoln afterwards and said, wow, I, and I'm getting, I'm paraphrasing, but I watched a show about this recently where the speaker went up to Abraham Lincoln and said, wow, what took me two hours you summed up in two minutes. I wish I could have done it that way. That's how profound another speaker saw that speech. But the general public, or at least the newspaper article writers, the journalists did not see it the same way. They did not experience that. But yet here we are, you know, 150 some odd years later, and all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over time, that speech has changed a great deal about the way it's perceived in the public eye. It's all because of the meaning that was attached to it then versus how well it aged. And now with the meaning it's attached to it now because of what was going on then and, and where society has moved to now, that speech is seen as, as, a, as a great prognosticator of moving us forward and being more of an inclusive society. When you attach meanings to things, those are the ways you're deciding to attach meaning to it. So I can sit here and say, don't use the word good. Don't use the word bad. Use desirable. Use undesirable. Don't use fat or skinny. Just say, well, I'm not at a desirable weight or uh, I'm not at a, I am working on my undesirable, you know, condition and seeking to make it better. Whatever words you decide to attach to it, I can sit here and explain to you why I think certain words are more desirable than other words. But I could also have just said, I can tell you why some words are good and some words are bad, but it's the meaning you decide to attach to it. Does it give you a charge? That is is going to be how we wrap up this episode. It's the internal charge words give you when you hear them that will tell you whether you have attached um, desirable or undesirable, good or bad references in your mind around those words, 
right? I hear somebody say the N-word, and it, it, it makes me cringe, mainly because of the, the meaning society is attached to it. But if somebody were to use that word on me, it wouldn't affect me. I, it wouldn't bother me because for me, there, nobody's ever said that to me in a way that I've, that's felt abusive or rude or, or hurt me. As a society and a culture at large, I absolutely see the pain of the N-word and what it can do to people. I can see the emotions that it sparks in them. I can see their reaction to it. And, and I can see how that um, changes their perception of that other person. I can see the effects of it, but the effects of it being used toward me or on me have never been realized because I have not attached a meaning to it in that way for me. But I can see how it would do it for other people. If somebody called me sexist, but I didn't think I was sexist, then it wouldn't have a negative energy around it. Be like, okay, you can say whatever you want, but I support women's rights and I support, you know, whether it be right to vote or whatever the conversation is circling around. If I don't believe that about myself, then I don't have the spark. I don't have that internal flame that causes me to want to react to that word being used at me, toward me, on me. However, it doesn't bother me because I don't see myself that way. When somebody says, you're not very flexible and you can be a little closed-minded, that brings out a spark in me because I don't want that to be true about me, but there are absolutely times in my life where it is true about me. So when we wrap up this whole idea of your mind attaches meaning to words, I want you to be very cognizant, very aware of when certain words are used around you. Do they fire you up on the inside? Does it cause you to start to warm up? Perhaps it it ignites anger or fear or rage or some sort of negative emotion. I could have said bad emotion, undesirable emotion, right? NLP neuro-linguistic programming, which I teach and you know, I'm a master practitioner of, it talks a lot about how our brains are programmed by language we use inside our own heads and externally to other people. So I'm very mindful of my language patterns because I know that the more I use certain words, the more that they screw themselves into my brain. But those words only have the meaning I decide to attach to them. If someone calls you fat and you're perfectly happy with your body, then there's no charge to it. But if you're not happy with your body and somebody calls you fat, then that's absolutely going to upset you. But again, it's because of the meaning you've attached to that word in your own mind that allows somebody else using it on you, towards you, with you, at you, that it's going to ultimately create that emotion inside of you. If you didn't believe that about yourself, you'd laugh it off and say, well, whatever, I'm good here. A lot of what's going on in society doesn't necessarily affect me. I get it. I'm a T-swam. I'm tall. I'm straight. I'm white. I'm an American male. A lot of, I've heard a lot of people say, boy, being a, t- again, I think there, we, there's an acronym called WASP, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. I don't, consider myself a Protestant. So I came up with my own. I call it a T-SWAM. I'm a tall, straight, white American male. I get it. There's a, there, there, there can be some negative connotations around a T-SWAM in your head based on what you've seen other T-SWAMs do. But me, myself, and I, for who I am, I think I'm a pretty damn good person. I think I mean well by my behaviors, by my actions, by the things that I say. I seek to uplift rather than to 
denigrate people. It's, it's important to me that everyone feels the inclusivity over the exclusivity. Because I know what it's like to be excluded. I know what it's like to, to lack certainty. To, to, to have a lot of uncertainty in my life, to not feel connection, to not have significance and be able to contribute around because I'm an outcast. I know what that feels like, and I don't want other people to feel it because of anything that I do. So I strive to be as inclusive as possible, knowing full well, especially with two podcasts, each of them going over 30 minutes per episode, one at 160 episodes, another one at 133 some episodes. I get it almost 300 episodes per, you know, combined on the podcast, there's a very good chance that somewhere in those minutes, I'm going to say something that's not going to, that's not going to jibe with somebody else. It's not going to sit well. I try to be as mindful as possible as I'm speaking these words and, and, and I'm being my, my truth and, and I'm expressing myself the way I believe my information requires it to be expressed, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's coming out the way that I hope that it's coming out. You receive it however you receive it. I cannot control the meaning you attach to the words that I am saying. There is a general consensus that bad is not a good word and good is a good word. There's a general consensus that good is, it, it has the definition it has and bad has the definition it has, but the meaning you've attached to those is out of my control. It's out of anybody's control. It's all in your mind. It's all in your control. So when you hear somebody on campus using words that, that ignite you, that, that cause a, some sort of fire inside, that, that give you this reactionary mechanism inside of you, that fight, flight, fear kind of thing. You have to ask yourself, why did you attach the meaning to that word that you did? Because you're choosing to do that. You choose the meaning. When you were young, meanings were attached for you. But you're older now. You get to decide. right? If I say uh, ramen noodles... To somebody who is poor and in college, that might be the only thing that they eat all the, all the time. They might be like, oh my God, that's horrible. It's disgusting. Somebody who's never had ramen noodles might just hear noodles and just say, oh, okay, well, it's noodles and I like noodles. So I'm sure ramen noodles are delicious too. It's the meaning you've attached to that. Poor college student. No, from my indication, most college students aren't living, you know, paycheck to paycheck and on ramen noodles as much as they were back in the day because there's a lot of different ways to make money now. That being said, there are still a lot of people who live hand to mouth in college. That's sort of like the general consensus that that's just the way that it is, but it doesn't have to be that way. You could believe that you're a poor college student, or you could go off and get your job at a restaurant or a retail store, and you could make money, and then you could spend it appropriately, and now all of a sudden you're not a poor college student. When you hear people on campus using words that trigger you, I want you to ask yourself, why is that word triggering you? Cancel culture, being woke, even those have their own meaning attached to them. Conspiracy theorist. Uh, QAnon, all of these Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, you know, Russian, American, they all have meaning attached to them based on what other people have told you you should experience from that word or what you have felt around that word whenever it's been used around you or on you or at you or with you, towards you. You get it. It's the meaning you've attached that's causing that triggering. 
that's causing that spark, that flame, that, that warming sensation inside of you. No one can tell you how a word should mean to you. As much as they could try to drill it into your head that, hey, this word means this and you're using it the wrong way. If what you have experienced leads you to believe that that word means this over what somebody else is telling you, you and you alone are going to decide whether you're going to change the way that that word's meanings has on you. What influence does that word have on you? That's, it's you. It's you and you alone. No matter what I say, I can't change it. I don't want to change it. I want you to discover it for yourself. That's why you listen to shows like this. That's why you go to college. That's why you go to universities to expand your mind. Inclusivity over exclusivity is expansion. You can constrict yourself and you can be exclusive and you can push people out who have dissenting opinions and say things that you believe are poison, but that's not going to shut them up. And yelling in their face about why your words are more powerful and mean more and should be used over somebody else's words is ignorant of the, of the true fact that everybody has experiences differently than yours. Their five senses brought into their awareness the outside world and their mind created the meaning that their mind created around it. And screaming in their face why your opinion, your belief, and your value is better or more important than theirs is a really great way to ostracize that person, to shut them down. And now they're going to go off and they're going to go into the shadows and they're just going to figure it out there. And there are very, very few opportunities to help somebody grow when you've painted them into the corner of a shadow where you've said, no, your opinion's wrong, my opinion's right, F you, you go over there and you think about how wrong you are. There's only so long that, only so long the human mind's going to allow itself to get beat up before it just goes and finds other people who want to agree with what it believes. That's the confirmation bias that we seek. That's that uh, cognitive dissonance where we can't look at ourselves in the mirror and think negatively about ourselves too long. Eventually the brain's going to be like, this isn't serving us any good. Let's go find people who agree with the way we agree so we can feel better about ourselves. So we can be more about sur- surviving, right? Rather than feeling ostracized, let's just go find a tribe that agrees with us so that we can start to have that connection and that certainty and that variety back into our lives ostracizing and excluding people from a conversation is not growth, right? It's actually the opposite. It it, it is literally locking somebody out of an opportunity to learn more from what it is that you think. We know what that looks like. We, We saw what it was like to ostracize people based on their race or their creed or their color or their gender. We've seen what that's like. And maybe T SWAMs were leading the brigade on that. But, ostracizing T-SWAMs out of the conversation now simply because some of them were the, run, were the ones running the politics back in the day that created this world, okay, that's not benefiting anyone because you ostracize enough people and they're just going to all group up together and then they're just going to form their own thing. And you get enough of them in a group and now what? You're going to have warring factions? So what, we're just going to spend the rest of human society and civilization just bickering over whether who's right or who's wrong and fighting over resources rather than figuring out a way to work our resources together? Okay, awesome. I can't wait for World War Three and Four and Five and Seven. It's going to be super dope. Can't wait for all that to happen. 
Because the weapons we're using right now are not meant to, to kill as few people as possible. They are meant to devastate societies. And it could happen with missiles or it could happen with computer hacks. But either way, we're all, I think it was Lenin, the old Russian leader Lenin, once said that all societies are just three meals away from chaos. So you take everybody mostly only has about three meals in their house. You take those three meals and eat them over the course of three days, and now everybody's hungry. Let's see how quickly society falls. Pushing people to the fringes of society because they do not say the things that warm you up and make you feel accepted is not going to bring them into the fold and help change anything. It's actually going to fuel them to to dig down, to dig their heels in, to plant their flag on that belief system, even if they know it's flawed. You're attaching meaning to every word that's used around you. And if that meaning is triggering you, ask yourself why that meaning is triggering you. What meaning have you attached to that word that's creating that trigger inside of you that's causing you to feel upset? And once you can discover that, then you can start to have a healthy conversation with somebody else. As long as you let the the bad, negative emotion affect the way you conversate with them, it's just going to be two rams smashing heads on the side of a mountain. And eventually you're going to knock the, you knock yourselves out and you're just going to tumble down the mountain and nobody's going to win. Nobody wins when exclusivity rules over inclusivity. Nobody wins when ostracizing is the, is the chosen method over inclusivity and bringing somebody in and having a conversation with them. Clearly, something happened at the Oscars that you know caused Will Smith to get up and slap Chris Rock. Does anybody think that that was a good way for him to behave? No. But in the moment, his emotions took over because he attached meaning to what Chris Rock jokingly referred to a movie with his wife. He attached meaning to it. He got so inflamed by it, he got up, he created an international scene that is now more than likely going to ruin his career, and it's definitely going to change people's opinion of him for the rest of his life because of 20 seconds of inappropriate behavior that he did not think through. Now, we could choose to ostracize Will Smith, or we could choose to sit down and say, okay, clearly something happened. A person who came across as very rational and calm and loving and inclusive throughout most of his life all of a sudden did something very irrational, very exclusive, uh, very violent on a national stage for the whole world to see. We can ostracize him or we can bring him back into the fold and try to help him figure out what the hell just happened. But either way, the event was what the event was, and now it's our decision as a society on how we're going to begin to attach meaning to it and then either react emotionally triggered like he did, he reacted emotionally triggered, or we're going to respond emotionally grounded. One is going to bring us toward growth, and one is going to shut it down and just scorch earth the entire thing. And that's just the most recent example I can bring up that most of us probably know about. You know this is happening on your campus. It's up to you to decide whether you're going to be part of the the solution or you're going to be part of the problem. Inviting people in with dissenting opinions, no matter how radical or right or left or rude or mean or hurtful they might be, doesn't mean you condone what they say. It just means that you're willing to have a conversation with them to discover what happened in their life that created that reality for them. Why is that their point of view? Why is that their model of the world? Something happened to them, around them, for them, whatever, that created that meaning in their mind. This is now what they say, and this is now how they behave. This is the habits they've created. 
pushing them off into the shadows, is ostracizing them is not going to be how we grow. It's actually going to be how we, we, we go back. We resort back to old primitive behaviors. We're better than that, guys. We're better than this. There has to be a better way than ostracizing and excluding people. We've seen that. There is historical data and there's accuracy as to what happens whenever you push people off into the fringes of society and tell them to shut the hell up because what they're saying doesn't match what the, what the masses are saying. And then what? In 10 years, when what the masses are saying changes, now all of a sudden those people are, are included now and everybody who thought the way we think today is excluded? One like House of Representative person voted against the Iraq war when we went into it, and they were ostracized. They were torn down for not supporting the Iraq war back in the early 2000s. Now that person is raised above on a pedestal because they were the one dissenting opinion that turned out to be the, the quote-unquote right one because we're attaching different meanings to the war in Afghanistan and the war in Iraq now. We've, since we've decided to attach a different meaning to those two wars, now all of a sudden that person is heralded as the one who saw the way when nobody else could. But back then they were denigrated and they were torn down for that decision. And now here we are 15, 20 years later and they're being illuminated and lifted up above everybody else for not just being a sheeple and following their own opinion. When all we do is change our opinions and our values and our beliefs based on whatever's trending now, then we don't really expressing ourselves as much as we're just conforming to whatever society says is good to say today. And then what, in five, 10 years, when society as a whole decides that that word no longer is cool, but this word is, now we all just flip and everybody who says that word then is, you know, okay, well, you're bad now, but you were good then. Society changes, society grows. People who were wearing blackface in the, in the 19s and 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and some of those Hollywood movies, yes, today it's seen through a lens that is appalling and absolutely rightfully so. That was a very negative behavior that denigrated an entire race and, and, and turned them into a laughingstock in many cases. If not, the worst case scenario, it actually led people to bring violence towards them. So yes, we see it differently now, but to ostracize people who are still alive, who did that in the 1970s or 1980s, and then say, well, now, even though 40 years later, their whole opinions, their all everything about the way they believed back then could have changed now, but to ostracize them for something they did 40 years ago, it's shutting down growth. And we're all about growth. We should be all about growth. I say this so impactfully and so emotionally to you all because you're in an environment that, that demands growth from you. So be the growth. There's a reason why so much radical, amazing change happened in the 1960s and 70s around the Vietnam War and politics and women's rights and, and social issues and, and, race, uh, and the race wars and the, and the race relations. This is why so much radical change happened at Berkeley and, and Kent University where the students were shot. Why so much change there is because people went there because... They wanted to expand themselves, but yet now it appears that in college we're trying to constrict ourselves. Massive change happens on college campuses, and you're a part of it. Whether you're in the United States or you're somewhere else, you're there. You've got all of these minds together. Invite people in who do not believe the way you believe. Sit down with them and understand them. Let them understand you, because I can assure you, 
Inclusivity over exclusivity is how we will keep this civilization moving forward. But if we ostracize people out of the tribe, that does not stop them from forming up their own little war, warring faction and coming back at us in the middle of the night. What is that saying? Keep your, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why we would even want to call anyone an enemy. Well, we're all just humans having a human experience, trying to just keep ourselves fed and warm and housed and loved. So let's start today by loving somebody else with a dissenting opinion. Because I can assure you, if each one of us did that today, the world would be a completely different place in a year, let alone five or ten. You went to college to expand your mind. So be mindful of what triggers you and ask yourself, is this constrictive or is this expansive? Because somewhere in there is a growth opportunity. And I would be very, very sad for us all if we missed out on that chance to grow ourselves and expand ourselves. Inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. As always, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Sorry this went so long, but I got a little charged up in the end. This was probably more of a soapbox inspirational speech, but I just care so much about the way we treat each other. And I really hope that somewhere out there, the words get through and you are more mindful of what triggers you and the, and the meanings you've attached to these words. It's your choice to continue to attach those meanings. It's their choice to continue to use the words that they use. Somewhere along the lines, the conversation needs to expand because the way it's going right now isn't looking good for us. Much love, everybody. Bye-bye. 